What happens after a police officer shoots someone who's unarmed? For decades in California, internal affairs investigations, how the police police themselves, were secret. Until now. Listen to On Our Watch, a podcast from NPR and KQED. Happy Friday, everyone, from NPR Music and All Songs Considered. I'm Stephen Thompson. It is New Music Friday, and from May 28th, we've got new albums by DMX, Mustafa, Natalia LaForcada, and more. But first, here's Bachelor and their new album, Doom and Sun. That's Spin Out from Doom and Sun, the debut album by Bachelor. Bachelor combines the musical power of two different NPR music favorites, Jay Som and Palehound. Joining us from Richmond, California to talk about Doom and Sun is my NPR music colleague, Alex Ramos. Welcome, Alex. Hi, Stephen. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you. So rock and roll has a lot of supergroups. Bachelor is kind of a super duo. It's got singer-songwriter Melina Duterte, better known as Jay Som, and Ellen Kempner of the band Palehound. They make kind of gnarly but introspective pop rock first separately and now together on Doom and Sun. Alex, tell me about Bachelor. Well, first, the way that they describe it is that it's not a band, it's a friendship. Um, <laughs> and I think that's a really sweet um, distinction to make. Bachelor is a band between two people who have really like observed each other and each other's music very closely. So they're sort of put in the into the situation where they're making something for the other person. Yeah, and I think that friendship really comes through. And I think some of the similarities in at least the mentality behind their individual music, they really pair up nicely here. I mean, these are two songwriters who I think are really comfortable working together, writing about these issues of like what it's like to get stuck in your head, dealing with self-doubt, some existential threats like climate change, more interior threats around mental health, and kind of, I think their worldview are very, very compatible. And you've got some great lyrics in here. There's a song called Sick of Spiraling that has this line, the danger is in my phone and the drug of an endless scroll. And I'm like, man, who has not been on that ride? I particularly like how in the music you kind of hear their voices meshing together in this sort of like hazy way where they're just like overlapping almost. And I think that's part of the way they kind of see each other, the way they're enmeshed with each other's art. The music that they make is both funny and like cutting in the ways that you see in their individual music, but they kind of bring together. There's also um, more louder and subdued tracks, but I'm partial to the quieter ones. I think the quieter ones like Moon uh, have a warmer quality to them that's a bit more intimate while still very funny and anxious in the different ways that you've kind of listed out. 
there are some guests on this record. It's really made almost entirely by uh, the two central players, but you also have members of Big Thief and Chastity Belt, which kind of, if, if you're not familiar with JSOM and Palehound, you're kind of getting a sense of, of kind of the scene that's at work here. It's a really, really great record. That's Bachelor. Their new album is called Dooman Sun. Thanks so much for joining us, Alex. Thank you. Let's go next to the late rapper DMX. DMX's first posthumous album is out now. It's called Exodus. Every day gets darker, the road gets stronger. My body gets weaker, my faith gets stronger. The devil's working on me hard because God loves me. As long as I'm in his graces, don't get ugly, but only he can judge me. So what another motherfucker say don't matter. So I avoid the chatter. The way I gotta splatter with the rat tat tatters. Watch what you say or you gone with you had her. Check a nigga data. Ain't near nigga battle with the mic in the dog. From the right to the wrong. Still fight and go hard. Smash to the left and with the last of my breath, I beat that ass. That's Hold Me Down from the rapper DMX. DMX died in April at the age of 50. Uh, Starting in the late 90s, he put out a string of massively successful albums full of songs that mixed celebration with darkness and a rough kind of barking vocal style. Exodus is billed as his final album, and he shares the spotlight with a huge array of guests, including everyone from Snoop Dogg and Jay-Z to Alicia Keys and Bono. Joining me from Atlanta to talk about DMX's writer, Gavin Godfrey. Welcome, Gavin. Thank you. It's good to be here. What's going on, Stephen? There were bound to be posthumous albums from DMX who made a lot of recordings in his lifetime. They're calling this his final album. But I think you and I both remember how prolific Tupac was in death. Uh, What do you think of Exodus? I'm usually a little weary when I hear of like, you know, posthumous albums coming out because it's like, who commissioned this? You know what I mean? Was it the artist's estate? Was it uh, a long time producer trying to cash in? And when you listen to it, it's, it's none of that. It sounds like vintage DMX, like back in those days when the first five albums he came out with debuted at number one. This is all the kind of aforementioned things you touched on. It's the celebration, it's that pain, it's that darkness. Um, It also taps into the spirituality, which is also just a big part of who he was. We even get to end the album with a prayer, and prayers were a big part of skits and and interludes on his previous albums before this. Yeah, you know, you have a lot of just kind of the swirl of mixed messages throughout this record. You know, as you mentioned, his religion really comes up quite a lot, but also a lot of darker themes. There, I don't even want to get into the kind of poisonous gender politics of, of the song he does with Snoop Dogg. You know, so so there's just a lot swirling around and so, so many voices. Yeah, and I think you, you touched on it right there. When it's, it's great that we are coming out to hold me down because there's a lyric in there where he says, you know, my life's a conflict. That's why I rhyme with the depiction of a convict. The guy who self-proclaimed represents the lowlifes and the have-nots. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also knew how to make a great party record. And, you know, he had questionable uh, relationship with the with the ladies and kind of the, the gender politics. So it's very layered, very much so. But I do feel like, you know, this has probably been one of the better DMX records we've heard in such a long time. And it's so sad that it's coming um, when he's actually no longer with us. But it feels like almost like the perfect goodbye. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this record kicks off with this kind of mic passing party song called That's My Dog uh, with the locks and Swizz yeah. Beats. And you just, you're just you just immediately transformed to kind of his heyday of the late 90s and, and early aughts. He, it, and it still, it still sounds fresh and fun. So that's Exodus from the late rapper DMX. Thanks so much for joining us, Gavin. Oh, thank you so much, Stephen. It feels good to, to be here and, and talk about one of my all-time favorite rappers. Let's go next to Mustafa. The singer Mustafa has a new album called When Smoke Rises. 
You know our hearts are at the fullest Ali There were no words to stop the bullets Concrete dreams I could never live I go back to when we were 30 and 50 and 17 For not the coldest breeze All that we hope to be When we smile with all our tears Ali You know our hearts were at the fullest Ali that's Ali from Mustafa, also known as Mustafa the Poet. Uh, he's a singer, rapper, poet, filmmaker, songwriter from Toronto. He's worked with everyone from The Weeknd and James Blake to Camila Cabello. He's actually billed as a songwriter on the song Sucker by the Jonas Brothers. But on When Smoke Rises, his contemplative side really comes out. Joining me from Atlanta to talk about Mustafa is Christina Lee. Hey, Christina. Hey, Steven. It's great to have you. So Mustafa has a lot of credits in pop music. I was really taken with how serious and reflective this album is. Yeah, precisely. Um, some of those credits include songs by The Weeknd, Shawn Mendes, Justin Bieber. But I think with this particular project, uh, he really wanted to get personal. You know, going into this project, he kept thinking, you know, who is going to want to hear folk songs about the friends that I've lost growing up in Regent Park, Toronto. And as it turned out, he has found a captive audience for those very songs. I think this project is really great, Stephen, because it's one thing to hear the stats surrounding the neighborhood in which he grew up, which is Regent Park in Toronto, the gun violence that's come to sort of color and informed like his upbringing there. But I think his task with Smoke Rises is to really sort of dignify the lives that were lost because these were some of his closest friends. Yeah, I think that's beautifully put, dignifying it. He's singing about the death of the rapper Smoke Dog. Uh, he was very close to Ali, references the death of another friend. And it was interesting kind of reading about his inspirations and kind of wanting to kind of switch up his sound a little bit. And he was inspired by Richie Havens singing folk music to kind of go in more of a folk direction with his music. He describes his sound as inner city folk music. And I think that really fits and it, it works so well with this kind of beautiful beautiful, sandy voice he's got. I think the song Air Forces really stands out to me for that particular reason, uh, because Air Forces is, I mean, it's one of those images that shows up in hip hop quite a bit. Uh, but he says, don't put the creases on the Air Forces, as in don't leave your house tonight. Um, mm -hmm. The tone with all these songs is that he is being very, very protective. But at the same time, I guess with the folksy tones, it's like, He's sighing into every single song, almost as if everything is sort of a foregone conclusion. That's Mustafa. His new album is called When Smoke Rises. Christina, I'm going to ask you to stick around for just a second. We still have a handful of other records we want to play for New Music Friday. But first, we need to take a quick break. Support for NPR and the following message come from BetterHelp, offering online counseling. BetterHelp therapist Hesu Jo shares the unique benefits of therapy. Being in therapy is this very intimate, unique experience to have this other person see you, this other person acknowledge who you are and accept all of it, you know, and like figure out the bits and pieces that you don't want to accept to change that stuff for the better. Even if you're not struggling with something necessarily, but you just 
want to learn a little bit more about who you are. You want to function a little bit better in your relationships with people or change the way that you approach habits. Doing that together with somebody else can be very powerful and impactful to talk this out and process this together as two humans. To get matched with a counselor and get 10% off your first month, go to betterhelp.com songs. It's New Music Friday from NPR and All Songs Considered. I'm Stephen Thompson, and we are looking at some of the best new albums out on May 28th. Let's kick off the second half of our show with a new compilation called Fire in Little Africa. Hey, I smell smoke. Hey, I had a dream. It was May 29th. I was sitting in a cell, devil playing with my life. Now attention getting high, I can feel it in the night. If I'm wrong, if I'm right, I won't go without a fight. Yeah, I had a dream, it was May 29th. Yeah. I was sitting in a cell, devil playing with my life. Now attention getting high, I can feel it in the night. If I'm wrong, if I'm right, we won't go without a fight. Well, I was born in the belly of the bottom of the map. Moved up to the city of dreams, brand new ring on my pinky gap. Greenwood auction pine, why spend my time on the nitty north side of the tracks? That's City of Dreams from Fire in Little Africa. The album is a compilation full of hip-hop artists from Oklahoma. That track features St. Dominic, Ray June, Tony Foster Jr., and T-Mace. Fire in Little Africa is part of a larger project. There's a documentary coming out later this year. It's about reflecting on the 100th anniversary next week of a massacre in Tulsa that destroyed a prominent black neighborhood. It killed hundreds of its residents and left thousands of people homeless. Christina, you were the one who told me about this record, which is designed, among other things, to shine a light on Tulsa's hip-hop scene. It is definitely part oral history and part talent showcase, because to be honest, you know, Tulsa's hip-hop scene hasn't really gotten that spotlight until this very moment. The interesting thing, Stephen, is that this album had been in the works since before Watchmen actually would come to depict the Tulsa race massacre on the small screen, this hip-hop community grew up not knowing about this race massacre that happened in the very town in which they grew up. And so you're hearing these artists sort of reckon with that reality. In the very beginning, uh, we're meeting who they call Dickie Rowe, but it's Dick Rowland. It's the 19-year-old black shoe shiner whose arrest would kind of spark uh, this very historic event. And you hear them wrestling with the very fact that this history hadn't really been told to the full extent until, honestly, in recent years. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing that's really jumped out about this story. Because of the 100th anniversary and because of, as you said, Watchmen, people are talking about it. But this part of the issue surrounding this massacre is how much it had been removed from history books. And I think this project does, as you say, do a nice job of shining a light on this story, but it also really functions as a true talent showcase. This is not a collection of songs specifically reflecting on this one event in history. It also is joyful, and it's also kind of reflecting on, on experiences that are not even directly related to that. It's, it's, it's a talent showcase as much as a historical reflection. One reference that I think is also really important is when they talk about the Brady Mansion. Uh, that mansion is actually referring to Tate Brady, who is not only one of the founders of Tulsa, but also was sort of a co-conspirator to the Tulsa Race Massacre. And there's this part in the song Reparations where they're talking about turning the Brady Mansion into a trap. 
Uh, <laughs> like basically saying like, we're going to get this hip hop stuff going in this very home. And I guess the tone, like you said, Stephen, it's very, it's actually very, very triumphant. Um, it was in part inspired by a label compilation spearheaded by Jay Cole called Revenge of the Dreamers, where the tone was just very much all about camaraderie. And not only that, but sort of like a sense of determination as to what's going to happen in the future. You know, by the time we get to the very end, they're talking about how there's a new fire that's burning. And that's basically, they're saying like, you know what, we're not going to be completely overtaken by this trauma. We're not going to let our lives be completely defined by this trauma. We're going to reclaim Black Wall Street if not just by the very concept for ourselves and then go from there. That's Fire in Little Africa, a new compilation out today. Christina, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Next up, we've got the singer Mariba. Mariba's new project is called Azeb. World feels like a war. Tell me what we've for. Baby, it's gotta be love. I'm gonna give mine to you. Writer from Azeb, it's by the singer Mariba. Joining me to talk about Mariba is writer and NPR music contributor Julie Height. Hey, Julie. Hey, Stephen. It is great to have you. So Mariba is Marion Mariba. She's a singer, songwriter, and producer. She's part of the hip-hop collective Spillage Village. And in 2019, she played the Tiny Desk twice in one year. Her music That's right. <laughs> folk and hip-hop and R&B and more. She's amazing. Julie, I know you've been dying to talk about Mariba. Tell me about this new project. I have always gotten the sense that she's the kind of artist who's just really attentive and awake to what's going on around her, that she just absorbs all of that stimuli so mindfully wherever she lives, whoever she's working with. And, you know, this EP is her version of a pandemic project. And what that means for her is that her life had changed. She was in lockdown. She did not rely on features like she has on previous projects. And she kind of drew her perspective and her expression in a little bit closer, you know, you get the sense that she is contemplating threats all around her to her wholeness and well-being, not only hers, but, you know, black Americans and people across the African diaspora. But she has this mystical and clear-headed awareness of all of that, everything. But she's also cultivating this deliberately hopeful vision in these songs and kind of, you know, this quiet savoring of strength and spirit and self and sensuality as a strategy of survival, really. Yeah, I think you you put it really well, the kind of some of the quietude of this record. This record plays with space so beautifully, and her songs have just such smooth lines to them, and it just really brings out their warmth and spirit. 
you know, part of that is how she constructed the musical world to contain, you know, the spirit of of the songs. I mean, as as you mentioned, she's a multifaceted music maker, so she builds her own beats. I mean, she studied folk guitar, and she's working with a lot of kind of gently polyrhythmic, almost Afrobeat-inspired patterns on this EP. And some of it's beat making, but some of it is is hand clap patterns that give us that syncopation. And then there's that just glitch listening filigree of of that clean tone electric guitar on a lot of the tracks those guitar figures she just so fluently kind of flows from singing to rapping and there's a meditative swagger to her rapping on on this album but you know her singing she just puts it right out front I mean that's got to be part of the way she recorded it and mixed it it's got that clarity and intimacy like it's just really at close range in our ears yeah, she's great. That is Mariba. Mariba's new project is called Azeb Julie. Thanks so much for joining me. You're so welcome. We've got one more record to get to on this week's New Music Friday, but before that, I want to do a quick lightning round with more recommendations for albums coming out this week. The wild experimental post-punk band Black Midi is back with a new record called Cavalcade. It's arty, frenetic stuff with wall-to-wall energy. Speaking of wall-to-wall energy, but with even more of a performance art flair to it, the long-running heavy metal band Guar returns with the disc with no name. I like to think we're edging ever closer to a world where Guar can perform a Tiny Desk concert. Uh, Speaking of artists who are welcome at the Tiny Desk anytime, Katie Lang is back, and if you thought I couldn't smoothly segue between Guar and Katie Lang, you were wrong. Uh, Katie Lang's new album is a collection of dance remixes of some of her songs out just in time for Pride Month. Moby also has a collection of reworked classics. Reprise takes a bunch of his songs and repurposes them with an orchestra. Tons of guests on that one, including Jim James and Chris Christofferson. Porter Robinson is another star who made his name in dance music. He's back with a new album called Nurture. It's his first full-length studio album since 2014. It explores darker themes around mental health, but it's still sounds so joyful and exuberant. Speaking of joyful exuberance, the charming New Zealand band Quivers is back with Golden Doubt. It's more shimmery, chiming pop rock from a country that is known for its shimmery, chiming pop rock. Uh, Earlier this spring, we talked about a new album from Dinosaur Jr., now one of Dinosaur Jr.'s most beloved, albeit on-again, off-again members, Lou Barlow, is back with a new album called Reason to Live. Of course, you might also know Lou Barlow from Sebado and the Folk Implosion. The Colombian superstar Juanes is back with a new album called Origin. It's cover songs by artists who inspired him, including Carlos Gardel, Bob Marley, and Bruce Springsteen. And finally, NPR Music's own Lars Gottrich really wants you to check out a band called Scotch Rolex. It is very hard to sum up Scotch Rolex in a sentence. Basically, the producer Shigeru Ishihara was inspired by a residency in Uganda, so he put together a bonkers mix of jagged, crunchy, kind of unsettling electronic music laced with grindcore. All of those albums are out today, May 28th. We've got one last album on this week's show. Natalia Laforcada is back with a new record called Un Canto por México, Volume 2. ¿Y cuáles no serían mis penas? Lloró aquel santo Cristo, lloró. ¿Cuáles no serían mis penas? Lloró aquel santo Cristo, lloró. Ay de mí, llorona, llorona, llorona del campo lirio, 
de mi llorona, llorona, llorona del campo lirio. That's La Llorona from Natalia Laforcada. She's one of the most successful singers in Mexico. She's won Grammys and Latin Grammys, and her albums feel modern while still celebrating traditional Latin American music. Un Canto por México Volume 2 is part of a series she's done celebrating traditional music from her home country. To talk about Natalia Laforcada, Ana Maria Sayre joins me from Chicago. Ana Maria is a colleague of mine at NPR Music. She works on our wonderful sister podcast, Alt Latino. Welcome back, Ana Maria. Hey, thanks for having me back. It's great to have you here. Tell me more about Natalia Laforcada. She has a wild career. She has kind of gone through a lot of different genres and for the past, I don't know, maybe 10 years at this point, has really settled into this kind of folkloric, um, traditional sound that she's doing. Um, This album in particular is the second volume following the first part that won a whole list of accolades and awards, some of which you mentioned, Latin Grammys, Grammys, all of that stuff. So I don't think anyone had low expectations for this album. Um, She's kind of a cariño in in Mexico. Everyone loves her. Um, So I was kind of like, okay, we'll see what it sounds like. I don't know. And I love it. I'm obsessed with the album. Um, (laughs) um, She has released all of these albums that have really kind of solidified her as this kind of, I would say, guardian of of folkloric tradition in the modern day. And I think this album really almost takes it a step further in that she is kind of rallying a generation now behind this cause. She pulled together a star-studded list of collaborators from all over Mexico, all different genres, all different ages, different traditions. Um, And she pulled them all together to kind of join her in this really deep and rich exploration and remembrance of, of the tradition. That's very cool and very cool to listen to. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the guests. I mean, so many huge names, Caetano Veloso, Jorge Drexler, all over this record. Uh, songs that really kind of sprawl. Some of these songs are six, seven, eight minutes long. You know, we opened with La Llorona. If you are a fan of the movie Coco, that movie will that movie will come soaring back in your in your mind when you hear that song. Uh, I just appreciate how timeless this this music is. It's just gorgeous. I love that you picked La Llorona. I was hoping that that you would do that because that song in particular, I mean, it has this, on its own, this incredibly rich history of kind of going through all these iterations of covers and, and different artists have brought their own taste to it over the, over the years. And she actually had covered the song, like you mentioned previously. And I think the fact that she brings it back not once but twice on this album really shows that this isn't just kind of this little surface level, oh, I'm going to do a cover of some traditional music type of album. It's really about her exploring the nuance of the different styles and traditions that not just these these songs, but these stories have experienced in the tradition. You know, there's already this kind of huge, pervasive, lasting Mexican tradition of, of immortalizing cultural narrative in music. Um, when I listen to this album, you know, it really takes me back to the songs that my grandma would sing to me when I was a little girl. This is like right up her alley, these types of kind of songs. And and I think the fact that she can evoke that feeling in me, that she can evoke that image of, you know, abuela sharing to nieta in the modern day with not only her covers, but with her adding her voice, adding her songwriting to it. 
and immortalizing new tradition that, you know, a younger generation can be a part of, that's a once in a generation magic to me. That's fantastic. That's Un Canto por México, Volume 2 from Natalia Laforcada. That'll do it for New Music Friday. Thanks so much for joining me, Ana Maria. Yeah, thanks for having me. If you want to hear all the music we featured on this week's show, along with a bunch of other great new music out today, we've got expanded playlists in Apple Music and on Spotify. Search for NPR's New Music Friday playlist in either of those apps. And a reminder, as always, to sign up for our weekly newsletter. It's put together by the fabulous Marissa LaRusso and Lindsay McKenna. To subscribe, go to npr.org slash music newsletter. You can follow us on Twitter at NPR Music. You can find me at I Dislike Steven. You can find our guest Alex Ramos at LexM. Ramos. Gavin Godfrey is at right. Gavin Wright. I like to think there's an exclamation point in there. Christina Lee is at Mina Ann Lee. Our guest Julie Height is at right by her roots. And Anna Maria Sayer is at A-N-A-S-A-Y-R-E. This week's show has been produced and edited by Bob Boylan and Ron Scalzo. From NPR Music and All Songs Considered, I'm Stephen Thompson, encouraging you to be well, take a break, and treat yourself to lots of great music.